Welcome to Alternative Fund Insight, exploring the trends and meeting the personalities driving hedge funds and private markets. This episode is brought to you in association with the Independent Research Forum, enabling professional investors to access a wide range of high-quality independent research through a diverse group of hand-picked providers. IRF publishes a fortnightly newsletter highlighting the latest original and thought-provoking research. For more information, visit independentresearchforum.com. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Will Wainwright, and this week we have Alex Band, the CIO at Partners Capital, a Boston-based outsourced investment firm, advising endowments, foundations, family offices, and others on allocations of about $50 billion. Before we get into the conversation, a reminder that AFI membership is here, an essential information tool for professionals in alternatives. Visit alternativefundinsight.com to discover a new world of news, research and business intelligence tools. Sign up to access our flagship research piece, The Power List, and our proprietary people move and hedge fund launch and closure tools, which are already helping service providers across the industry. Now sit back and hear from Alex Band of Partners Capital as we discuss allocation priorities and perspectives, what his clients are looking for and how he judges the market opportunity in public and private markets. Thank you for joining me on AFI, Alex. Could we start with a brief introduction of Partners Capital and your role there? Yes, I'm happy to, Will, and thank you very much for having me on. Um, Partners Capital is an outsourced global investment office. Um, we've been in operation for over 20 years, um, have really benefited from an ecosystem of great clients, great asset managers that we've worked with, and a great team, um, and steadily grown our business uh, to where we manage 50 billion of assets uh, today. Um, as an outsourced investment office, I, I really think of us having three core parts to our business. One is we manage customized client portfolios on behalf of really a great set of endowments, foundations, and family offices um, that we take great pleasure in in serving um, and learn a lot from. Um, Second, we invest across public and private asset classes globally uh, on behalf of our clients and really seek to find the best uh, opportunities wherever they may be. Um, And third, we build enduring and value-added partnerships uh, with top asset managers and investors across the globe. Um, so it's um, it, it's been a great ride. I've been here uh, for 10 years and really a fantastic business. Great. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to dive into the asset owner's perspective today and, and what your clients are looking for and, and how you put those portfolios together. So starting with a top level view, how are you viewing the market landscape at the moment and what are the big themes on your mind from an allocation perspective? Absolutely. Um, so, so as we look uh, at the world today, we really feel like we've gone through two fundamental shifts uh, to the investment environment. Uh, the first is that a lot of the um, different phenomenon that were tailwinds to asset performance over the past 10 years um, have really gone away. And in some uh, cases, we believe will be headwinds for the next uh, 10 years. And those are factors like low inflation, 
low and declining interest rates, high levels of quantitative easing and fiscal stimulus. Um, and a lot of those were supported by um, some pretty durable structural trends, um, such as globalization and offshoring um, that helped enable them. And that seemed to have really um, run their course and in, in some ways reversed uh, as we look at the world uh, for the next uh, 10 years. Um, so that's the first thing. But the second uh, as a result is that we see an environment uh, where we expect higher volatility and higher dispersion uh, in terms of the outcomes for markets uh, and for individual securities and where there will be um, real differentiation between winners uh, and losers. And that that part of the investment program is going to become even, even more important. Um, so we look at a world now where a lot of the beta returns um, that we used to see that have been a very important part of um, overall investment endowment and investment portfolio returns for a long time, um, we expect to be a lot lower. I was just looking at this the other day, but the 10 years um, through the end of 2021, when we saw this, this environment that I was speaking about, equity markets returned 12.5% per year. U.S. equity markets returned 16.5% per year. I think it's unlikely that we see that kind of an environment uh, for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so the outperformance, the alpha being able to um, generate returns from asset selection, uh, we think is going to be even more important going forward. And does that tougher outlook for public markets and that greater volatility increase the focus on private markets? Um, in, in part, it does. But more fundamentally, it increases the focus on what we think will propel returns um, for the next 10 years. So if I, I look mm -hmm. at private equity and, and buyout specifically, for an example, I um, mean, we look at this very carefully. If you look at the last 10 years of industry level returns, about half of those returns were driven by multiple expansion and low cost leverage. Mm -hmm. And we think those two, even in private markets, are also less likely to be here. So we think in private markets, it's important to be able to drive profit growth of the businesses that you invest in and invest behind sponsors who can really achieve that objective. So it's not just shifting um, from public to private markets. We are still very excited about the private market opportunity, but it's, it's how you invest and what kind of assets and what kind of capabilities you need um, across the different areas of our investment program. And um, what are you hearing from your clients? You know, before we go into specific areas of, inv of investment, you know, endowments, foundations, what are their preferences, you know, different allocation areas, what risks are they comfortable to take, protections, et cetera? How does that tend to break down? Yeah, I think there's a, a number of, of different dynamics going on there, but I'd say at a high level, a lot of our clients are very focused on how do you invest for the long term, given a, a number of really interesting opportunities that we're seeing in the markets today, um, but at the same time, manage the short term risks and volatility that you're likely to see in portfolios. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say if there was one overarching question, it would be that one. Um, and the one that comes uh, right alongside of it is an environment with higher inflation, um, where getting that return from just owning equity markets is likely to be more difficult. How do you meet real return targets and protect uh, the size and the purchasing power of portfolios? Mm -hmm. And say a typical endowment client, when they ask you that question, you know, how do you start answering it? Yeah, so that, that's that's uh, that's the great the great question there, 
And I'd say the way uh, we look at this is really thinking about and going back to how do we think we can deliver um, two things. One is uh, stable returns that we think we can generate almost regardless of the ultimate market outcome. Um, and what are the sources of that type of return in our portfolio? Um, and then the second part is owning assets and owning securities that we think can really outperform and provide um, a, a very interesting total return profile um, and benefit from, from global growth uh, in this new environment. And so as we think about it, that sense of asset selection, outperformance, um, picking the opportunities um, that are likely to, to deliver that, um, we think is increasingly important to meeting a return objective um, for, for our portfolios and our clients. And starting with um, public markets, are there a couple of sectors in particular that are of, of interest in terms of having a lot of those types of, of you know, c- companies? Yeah, I think, you know, within um, public markets, and maybe if I broaden it out um, to our our hedge fund um, portfolios, mm-hmm. um, we really think about two very different objectives that we have um, from that part of our allocation. Um, one a little bit speaks to what I was saying a moment ago is managers and strategies that can generate strong, absolute returns um, and do that in a lot of different market environments. Mm -hmm. And so we do focus on, um, in that area, um, having a number of different strategies that we believe are uncorrelated or low correlation to each other, each of which can profit from the volatility um, and the inefficiencies that are embedded in markets in order to make a return. and can generate a return that is 300 to 500 basis points above what you get um, from cash and from short-term government securities Mm -hmm. um, with uh, a reasonable amount of stability uh, to that source of return. And that's one very important area. It's been an area that we've been investing in um, for a long time. We, you know, going into this uh, change in terms of the interest rate environment, um, actually had very little um, in fixed income because of what we saw as as the risk to duration um, and very little in cash because there was no return to it. Um, and this was a big part of our, our safety net allocation, our stable source of return. And it held up quite well um, through this reversal in the environment that we've seen. And we continue to think we can get a good premium um, on, on the cash return within this in, in a pretty stable way. So that's that's one very important um, area um, in, in public markets that we're invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second piece is, is more directional and really picking opportunities, mainly in equity markets, uh, but in other areas where uh, we see um, a high potential for good total returns over the next three to five years. Um, and there's a number of different areas um, that, that meet this um, and, and others that don't. Um, and we uh, think about investing in those, but in a, in a very balanced way, in a very risk managed way where we're sizing those bets um, appropriately so that we can manage that short term um, volatility that I was talking about. And yeah. so areas such as life sciences, which has really been um, in the center of the storm in terms of the pricing reset um, from public markets is an example of this. 
Um, and this is an area where um, we continue to believe that good science um, in well-capitalized, well-financed companies um, will get rewarded, will get paid for um, ultimately. And so if you can own those companies, you should be able to generate a very strong return. And this is just one of several examples that we have in the portfolio um, where we think they're interesting public directional equity opportunities. Yeah, interesting. Um, so you mentioned cash, and that was quite an interesting theme that emerged at the SALT conference in New York last week, you know, from the allocator side, that cash is back as an asset class. Um, on hedge funds, you know, you mentioned fixed income as playing a good role. And, you know, in general, that it seems like we are in an age where active management is going to be very important now. So does that change how you view hedge funds? I, I think the, the cash return does and it doesn't. Um, and, and let me just say two notes on that. Mm-hmm. Um, one is we've done um, a good amount of work uh, across our strategies, but in particular with the absolute return strategies, thinking through whether that increased return to cash is getting passed through um, those hedge fund returns. And so we can continue to earn a significant premium to what this new cash rate is. And generally, our answer um, is yes. Uh, we, we do believe that we can earn that premium. And so absolute return and other um, allocations still deserve to be significant allocations in our portfolio, even in an environment where cash is now paying 4 to 5% uh, percent return. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the first thing. But the, the second piece is it, it changes um, the market dynamics and the market um, sentiment to have cash um, with a real return as a real alternative um, to risk assets. Um, And so that's where uh, we get into some of the changes in terms of increased volatility, increased dispersion, a little bit more stresses um, and fragmentation uh, in the environment, and having to take a a more careful approach in terms of managing liquidity, which cash is a great source of liquidity, um, and other risk factors in overall portfolios. Okay, well, let's move to private markets. Again, a, a really important theme last week. Um, and it's interesting that quite a lot of big allocators are still hot on private equity. And, you know, we are likely to see bigger allocations in the next year or two from uh, the likes of New York and CalPERS. So how do you view private equity at the moment? Because, you know, at the same time, rates are higher, valuations have fallen. So does that change how you view it? We we, we do um, view it differently. And we're still very excited about the opportunities that we see in private markets. So so starting with private equity, um, as you mentioned, and I might split this answer out into um, buyouts, so owning mature cash flowing um, businesses Mm -hmm. and venture capital, which have different dynamics um, within them. Um, But within buyouts, um, we are slowly seeing um, a resetting of prices uh, in the market. Um, but that's a process and it takes time. And we see that um, across uh, private markets where um, the, 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 the dislocations that we see in public markets um, take a little bit of time to filter into repricing um, on, on private markets. But we are starting to see that. Um, and what we're you know, really focused on in terms of the buyout um, side of things is strategies that can control their own destiny, um, so to speak, in terms of really driving operational improvements in the companies uh, that they own. 
Um, and so as we think about it, and we spend a lot of time disaggregating the sources of return for our private equity um, and buyout investment managers, and we're focused on the return that comes from revenue growth uh, in the underlying businesses, from accretive M&A, so acquisitions of businesses to build out the platform, and to improving the profit margin um, of those underlying businesses. Those we think are changes that can be implemented um, by private equity firms in various different market environments. They're not dependent on low cost leverage. They're not dependent on multiple expansion. Um, and so they feel like a very durable um, sources of return. Um, and we're focused on sponsors that we think can deliver those. Where does that mean um, we're, we're active? Uh, we do have very much a focus on smaller companies, lower middle market um, type buyouts. We do have a focus um, on specialists in areas um, such as uh, industrials, software, healthcare, um, and other areas who can really play that playbook um, for their individual companies. Um, and we do think there's a, a really interesting opportunity right now um, in more complex situations buyout where there's um, fundamentally good businesses, um, but they're running into hard times given the shift in, in the environment, um, both on the fundamental business side and also on their capital structure side. And so sponsors, you can buy those for really attractive prices and fix some of those issues we think will really be rewarded. Um, so those are some of the areas uh, within the buyout space um, that, we're, uh, that we're very excited about. Um, Venture capital um, has some different dynamics uh, to it as well. Also, we think a very um, interesting space. Um, and there we're more focused on the earlier stage um, companies. Uh, we think there's still innovation happening uh, all the time here and it needs to be funded and it needs to be selected. And there's an ecosystem there and arguably now for us, um, really an opportunity to lean in um, to those relationships and those asset managers we're being more patient on the later stage and more growth equity uh, investments where uh, the repricing, especially for quality companies and quality assets, is just starting to happen. Yeah. So that is an opportunity that, you know, may may come in a couple of years or so, but isn't a, a key area right now. That's right. And we're, we're already starting um, to see it. And we have um, some great partnerships that we think can exploit that opportunity as it arises. Uh, but part of um, the dynamic that we're seeing at the moment is it tends to be the lower quality and not as well managed and not as well capitalized businesses um, that are seeking financing um, in the market at the new terms. Um, and so the higher quality businesses and that main part of the opportunity is in the future, we believe. Yeah. Okay. Now, moving to private debts is generating a huge amount of interest at the moment from the, some of the biggest firms on Wall Street and, and some of, the, you know, some mid and smaller firms as, as well. So a lot of a lot of interest in the opportunity. Um, is that a perspective that, that you share? We, we do share the enthusiasm for private debt. Um, and let me tell you, we've been investing in private debt for over 10 years. So this is not a new area for us. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, um, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about 
um, as we think about our business is innovation and staying at the forefront um, of, of what's happening in the investment world and the capabilities required um, to succeed. And I'd say if I look historically, this is one example um, where we saw the opportunity um, quite a while ago in a, in a very different environment. Um, we built up um, the capability to evaluate um, these managers, a set of really great relationships um, with asset managers who um, are doing this in, in different areas, um, and a vehicle um, that really allows us to invest and deploy capital um, in an evergreen fashion into the space. Um, and so that's provided a really great platform for us to lean into the opportunity as we do see it becoming increasingly attractive now. And we don't think that this is um, a super short-term opportunity like we saw in the depths of COVID. We could see this being a multi-year um, opportunity here. And, and why is that? Why do we see this opportunity? Um, Really, it's supply and demand um, of, of debt capital uh, in the markets. So on the demand side, um, there are a number of good businesses that have balance sheets that are either inappropriate or that they're not able um, to refinance, um, who are looking for solutions um, for that and for whom equity financing as, an, as another option um, ends up being either you know prohibitively expensive or dilutive um, to their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the the sources side um, and the supply side, a lot of banks have been for a long period of time um, withdrawing from um, certain areas of the credit markets as they look to shore up balance sheets. And what we saw in March um, in terms of some of the stresses in the US banking system and and elsewhere, um, has exacerbated that issue. Um, so there's this um, really interesting dynamic on the supply and demand of capital um, for these businesses. And what that means is not only are the, the base rates up, but the spreads um, that you're getting on financing have increased meaningfully um, in the recent period. And that's generally for actually better quality credits, lower loan to values, better documentation, better covenant protection, um, high quality businesses. Uh, and so we think this is a really um, interesting opportunity. Uh, we're playing it uh, broadly in terms of looking at um, corporate direct lenders um, and capital solution providers, as well as specialists who can really underwrite collateral in areas um, like technology and software or in healthcare businesses uh, or in other areas that require um, that kind of expertise. Um, so it's, it's been it's been an interesting area for us. We, we do... Um, Given all the excitement on it, I think it's incredibly important that we and our partners who are doing this um, remain focused on the credit underwriting. And really, for something to be private credit for us, we do need to feel like the downside protection is there. There's a very high probability um, that we will at least get our principal and the base rate coupon back from that investment. Um, and so we spend a lot of time pressure testing that and the underwriting assumptions uh, of our partners and making sure we can build that confidence um, in the investment. Okay, great. And I wanted to ask you about private markets as a whole and, you know, what questions you get from LPs, you know, be they endowments, foundations or, or family offices, you know, do they ask you about the liquidity risk of, of private markets or are they are they quite content and, you know, when you construct a portfolio, as a whole, um, you use other other areas to to kind of um, make make you know lessen that risk. 
we're, we're, we're very focused on the liquidity piece, but I, I guess what they, they ask, um, I'd say, is, is, is twofold. One is the liquidity we manage on a portfolio level. And so it's, do we have sufficient liquidity in the overall portfolio in order to fund the private uh, investment commitments that we're making um, in various scenarios, but also um, be able to rebalance portfolios, take advantage of liquid opportunities, manage risk appropriately, and, and pay any sort of um, redemptions or payouts that need to be paid from, from the corpus um, of the portfolio. And so that's the level at which we um, manage the liquidity risk. And it's actually much less around the structure of the private investments and more around the sizing, the, the amount of commitments and what else we have in the portfolio to provide that liquidity. Yeah. Um, the other big question that we get from um, our clients is around the excess return that we should expect and that we think we can generate um, on that private part of the portfolio in return for the, the you know the real cost of locking mm -hmm. up our capital um, for the period of time required. And we don't think it's it's some kind of axiomatic fact that you're going to get excess return just from taking that uh, illiquidity. We have to make sure that the investment and the manager is really going to generate it. It has um, mechanisms that we think will be there to do it. And the number one one that we're focused on is operationally adding value to the assets that they own in in, in the private markets. Yeah, interesting. Um, and finally, I wanted to ask you about sustainability and ESG and, and how you apply that across your portfolio. How big a factor is it? Yeah, sustainability is a very um, important factor that we look at um, across the portfolio. Um, and I'd say has um, greater um, importance in some area of the portfolios than others. Um, so generally, we, we honestly, we take a, a, a somewhat pragmatic view to it where we care about this because we do think that ultimately as long-term owners of assets, this will be have an important impact on the value of those assets and the risk profile of those assets um, as, as the world changes um, in, in the way that we produce electricity and the regulation, regulation and, and government policies around it, um, the industry shifts that are happening as a result. These are all real um, factors and they're going to have real impacts on investment markets. And mm -hmm. we want to be ahead on those, not behind, not reacting. Um, and so that that's why we're focused on it. Um, there are certain areas where we think being best in class in terms of the asset manager's capability to evaluate and navigate are absolutely critical. Um, and we have a number of investments in energy transition or in other areas like that that capitalize on that opportunity. Um, and there are areas where um, at the moment it's less important, but becoming increasingly important. Um, and so we're continuing to work with those managers um, to Im improve and upgrade how they're looking at sustainability and evaluating sustainability in the investments um, that they make. So we think this is a, a really important area. It's not one size fits all um, for us. Um, it's an area that we're actively engaged on. I like to think of it um, like other areas of our, our diligence. When we're evaluating companies or asset managers, um, we're thinking about the fundamentals of the business and how do they evaluate balance sheets and how do they evaluate um, the the growth potential, et cetera, et cetera. This is another factor um, that needs to be evaluated very carefully in order to drive investment success. 
Um, and, and, and that's how um, we think about it. That's been a really useful insight um, today. And I just wanted to end by asking you, you know, what is what is your one kind of area of excitement or priority in terms of the rest of the year now as, as you look forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I, if, if you will, well, I, I will answer um, and, and just wanted to provide one um, piece that we're really excited about. It's not an investment this year um, phenomenon, but something that that I, in, in my role as CIO um, of, of Partners Capital, um, remain incredibly focused on. And so if I can just take sure. a step back for a second. Um, as a, a CIO of the firm and overseeing the overall investment program, where the opportunities are, what the risks are in constructing um, a great investment portfolio, um, I think about a number of different elements, really four that I think are key um, to my role. One is our team. Do we have a best-in-class team that's looking at all of these different areas and partnering with great asset managers out there? Spend an incredible amount of time on that. Hmm. Two is looking at the right strategies and the right um, and, and kind of having the right lens for evaluating risk. And we talked a lot about um, the strategies and the areas that, that we're excited about. That's the plan um, for the rest of this year. And there are other areas we're evaluating and the environment will change. Um, but we have a very clear roadmap um, for how we're trying to execute um, against the investment opportunities that we see today and the outlook that we see for the next 10 years. Um, the third is, is really a rigorous diligence process. Um, and we and I spend a lot of time thinking through individual investment decisions. And to, in many cases, it's really those individual investment decisions, manager partnerships, assets that we own, that will in aggregate drive results more than our overall positioning, our overall asset allocation. That's incre incredibly important to us. Um, and the fourth is this innovation piece that we've kind of woven um, throughout the, the discussion, which is in this industry and part of what's exciting about it is you continue to have to evolve um, in order to drive results and drive results for our clients. And so we've done that in private debt um, on the absolute return side where we're building up um, a platform where we can directly invest in sub-advised relationships um, and use that as another way to expand our talent pool and to manage risk more thoughtfully. We're doing more on the private market co-investment side where we can invest alongside our private equity managers um, and really get asset selection, but also reduce fees um, that we're paying for them. So we're constantly thinking about what are the ways um, in which we can improve uh, what we're doing and deliver better results on behalf of our client. And that's what you know, keeps me focused and keeps me excited um, about the, the rest of this year. Great, Alex. Well, thank you very much for your time. It was great to meet you in New York last week and uh, all the best for the rest of the year. Great. Well, thank you so much. It was, a, it was a really great conversation. Thank you to Alex for joining me. AFI members can read five takeaways from the interview at alternativefundinsight.com. A reminder to please follow AFI on LinkedIn and sign up to our free newsletter. That's it for now. Until next time on AFI.